0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturges. This morning uh, is a departure from what I had planned months ago. Today, on the first Sunday in November, we were going to revisit again a series that we've done sometimes a couple of years in a row, and then we'll skip a year and come back to it. But it is entitled "Think Thanks," and I love to just revisit Scripture again for the importance of being thankful. But we sort of got suspended or stretched out in a, a study regarding forgiveness. And last week, I tried to wrap it all up in one big one big uh, ball, but I, I, I think there was it was a bit much. and so so here's the driving thing for me: as often as not, as we come to the holidays. I will try to present something from Scripture that helps equip us for the holidays. And what I mean by that is the holidays are are largely, for me, filled with warm and fuzzies. I mean, I just enjoy everything about it. It's great. But there's an equal measure of that and balance on the scale that for as many, if not more, in the room, the holidays serve to accentuate some really negative realities alongside of the very positive things. And I I don't want to focus and make it sort of the... Uh, a sermon on how, how the Grinch stole everything, including Christmas. But I do want to focus on how we might be equipped. To that end, during the holidays, we see people, encounter people, uh, family members, some way. We talk to them, hear from them. Uh, if it's nothing else, we get messages or cards, and those memories come back. And, and very often, they're family members or people or acquaintances uh, with whom we have some residual issues. So we're going to continue it for the next three weeks. Uh, we're going to do uh, a study that's called trustology. It's on the top of the little hand that you have trustology 101. I'm so fascinated, as I mentioned last week, to find the particular passage of scripture. And the question is, um, who do I trust? How much do I trust? And when do I trust? And amazingly, This passage of Scripture just resonates with that so powerfully. Now, you'll see printed as a little takeaway for where we ended up a couple of weeks ago. Um, We talked about the stages of moving through forgiveness, and that is forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust. And I I just made these motions because when I was down here teaching that, forgiveness is how we deal with the past. You can go listen to the podcast. Reconciliation is how we deal with the present. And reconciliation is sort of a... um, intersection point. It's a, it's, a, it's a threshold. It's where we move from forgiveness to trust. So reconciliation is sort of the place we stand as we mediate forgiveness becoming trust. And the question is, how do I trust? How do I trust people who have hurt me deeply? How do I trust people who have not only hurt me deeply, but have done it repeatedly? How do I trust people who are currently hurting me? To that end, there's a statement that may seem a bit strong, and I've never made a statement quite this strong, but I printed that as sort of a banner over it. That I'll trust you when you trust what I trust and I trust God. As you, excuse me. I'll trust you as you trust what I trust and I trust God. Now, that immediately presents some questions. How do I work in trusting a person who may, who may claim no faith in Christ whatsoever and they don't trust God in that biggest sense? Well, the adapted principles are we're going to trust people who stand on the principles that we stand on. Because very often uh, you will find people that say, well, I, I don't know that. I'm a Christian, I haven't accepted Christ, so do we have any type of trusting relation to that with them to the extent, and, and the answer is yes. A matter of fact, many of you here, several of you here, are, are married to spouses. You, some of you come to church alone. They don't have that faith, and you say, wow, do I go home and just tell my spouse I don't trust you anymore? Get out. And the answer to that is no. Paul was very clear in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, and, uh, and one of a couple of places, but very clear about that but the the, the bigger principle is we trust the things that God puts trust in, and that 's what this develops and we 'll come back to it now. Um, I want to read through the entire passage of scripture that we 're going to is going to be before you you 're going to receive one of these every week, uh, and there 'll hopefully enough room on the back i 'm going to add we're going to, there are six principles. We're going to do two a week for the next three weeks. But I've got to lay a groundwork for something this morning that's crucial. But let's read through this passage of Scripture together, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful in putting me into service. Now you'll see inserted words. What I want you to know, I, we printed these sort of uh, with all of the colored call outs. Do you see those yellow boxes down, just sort of pull the page away. And do you see those, those yellow boxes there? Those yellow boxes are each places where a very similar, if not the same Greek term shows up. Now look at them, look, just scan. I did this on purpose. You see faithful, unbelief, faith, trustworthy, believe. They all come from the same origin. So this passage, when I, when I noted that, I thought, oh my goodness, this passage is dealing with something about how we establish trust, who we trust. And by the way, it works on both sides of the coin. Listen closely. Perhaps you're a person that's deciding who you can trust and how much, or perhaps you're the person that is trying to win the trust of another person. Now, in week four, which will be Thanksgiving weekend, I'm going to sort of flip this whole narrative. I said we're doing it for three weeks. We are. But week four is going to be a fun Sunday. We're going to sort of flip the narrative entirely and take a different look at this altogether. But this passage caught me because in the opening statement, it says, Christ Jesus considered me faithful. By putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. We're going to stop today when we come back at the end of that first sentence, which includes verse 12 and half of verse 13. But let's keep reading now. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love that are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. For this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I got to tell you, I want to jump all over the place this morning, but I am not going to that last verse, I can't wait to get there, because here's what I believe I perhaps is a a sneaky work of the Holy Spirit. I really believe there's a sequence here. There's a sequence and a progression to how to trust, when to trust, and we're going to see that. But the first two I'd like to talk about today are thankfulness and confession, which you can see down below. Let's go back to verse 12, and I want to call your attention to something. In verse 12, it says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Now, if you have something to write with, and you can circle on that little note ship, uh, note sheet the word strengthened, okay? The word strengthened, okay? Just circle that. Now, the reason I want to call your attention to it is because this is absolutely propositional. This word strengthened is, from, uh, is a similar word in the original language, and I want to share it with you right now. Here it comes, okay? Acts chapter 1, it's not on your note sheet, but just if you would look at the screen or turn in your Bibles or whatever. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before Jesus would ascend and before the day of the upper room, the day of Pentecost, that would happen in Acts chapter 2. So this is Jesus speaking, and they've asked him a question about the kingdom of God and really more political stuff than anything else. But he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the epochs in which the Father is fixed by his own authority, but, here it comes, you will receive power. Would everyone say power? power? That's the word dunamis that we get power from, okay? We also get the word strength from, all right? And that is the same word, same a different form of it, in verse 12 that I pointed out. We're going to come back to that. But, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, and goes on to say. But you shall receive power when... Who brings that power? Who, right there in that verse, who? The Holy Spirit. That is important to note. Because in the story of Paul coming to faith in Christ... He is, uh, as we just read, he's a persecutor of the church, a violent aggressor against those who are followers of Christ. In the chapter that he finds Christ going down the road, I think it's Acts 9, going down the road on a donkey going to Damascus, he's just left the setting of killing one of the faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and that is Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death, and Paul was right on the edge of the crowd, presumably orchestrating that to some extent. And so on the next chapter, he's making his way, and as he's making his way to the next place he's going to persecute people, a light shines in the middle of the path, he 's knocked off his donkey onto the ground, and Jesus, the risen Savior, speaks to him and says, "Why paul, why Saul Paul? why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me?" So he has this encounter with God. Now this is very important. He have an encounter with God. we would liken that unto probably a moment of salvation. He spends three years sort of put aside in preparation, getting ready to do his ministry. And he would be put in service, as this Timothy passage talks about. He would be put in service as an apostle. He would be trusted with the amazing place of being an apostle. Trusted. And Paul never got over that. The amazing reality that God would trust him. But how did that happen? Back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 on your seat i thank christ jesus our lord who has strengthened me just for the fun of it i read some other some scholars and commentators and they all agree very clearly that the fact that he uses the version of the term dunamis he is clearly referring to the work of the holy spirit by the way how many know that we are not given power any other way according to scripture than by the holy spirit coming up and taking residence in me now, it's here that I've got to get your attention because you, you need to pay close attention because I'm going to mention a much shorter version of this in the following two weeks because we need to understand how trust is given and what goes on. In, in John chapter 15, verse 26, all right, John 15:26. again, you can see it on the screen. Just as Jesus speaking just before he would be arrested, then crucified, resurrected, and ascend to the Father. He's talking to his disciples in a very closed group type of meeting, and he says, when the helper, everybody say helper. Help. That word there is an interesting word that we've studied here a lot, um, and it comes from the same word. a matter of fact, it is the noun form of the verb that means to encourage. Now, our working definition, everyone look this way, for years you have heard our working definition of para Para means alongside, kaleo means to call out or call forth. And so here's Drew sitting on the front row predictably where I can pick on him again. Stand up, son. So it is, and I think I've actually picked on, on you before. Matter of fact, let me pick on Chip today, okay? I got a better since he just received a certificate. Um, Come on down here and get in this light where that camera will pick you up and can see you standing. Parakaleo is not saying, Chip, that is a really cool shirt and I like your haircut. We think that we encourage people, their little floaty, flimsy words like, Dude, Hey, man, good to see you, bro. Oh, love you. All that. The biblical nature of encouragement is never that shallow. It is coming and saying, Chip. I heard the words you shared at the close of the class today and I heard the things Gary said about you, but not only that, I witnessed that. And son, I can't tell you, dude, I mean, just how amazing it is to watch the transformation process over the last two or three years and where perhaps you very much, like Paul, by your own words, were this was this drug addict, lying deceiver, those are your words, not mine, who has become now a place of sure foundation, leading other men to wholeness, and you speak nothing but the truth of the Word of God. I cannot tell you how that moves my heart. Now, watch, watch. Did you just feel what I felt? See, it's not emotion. See, because parakaleo is a work of paraklesis, the Holy Spirit. And so wherever biblical encourage calling forth that which God put in him, that the devil sought to shroud with all sorts of crud. But that's coming out. Where we celebrate that, the Holy Spirit is never far away. When I was saying those words, that's what you sensed. It was him intensifying his presence right here among us. It wasn't the emotion because I said nice or flowery words. I'm a songwriter and a poet. I can say those. But that's not what you just felt. What you just sensed was the paraclesis who attends parakaleo. Now, to that end, now we can do that, by the way. It would almost be inappropriate not to. Can we just take our hands and celebrate the goodness of God in the land of the living, in our brother's life? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Now, look at John fifteen twenty six, if you would. When the paraclesis, he's the caller out or comforter. We're going to be talking more about this in the future. Just some fascinating things I found yesterday in Scripture. Whom I will send to you from the Father that is the Spirit of truth. Everybody say truth. Now, in all the years we've spent together, somebody here is going to be able to say, because this same writer, John, would write in John chapter 4, that the only place where God talked in the flesh, talked about worship, he said, worship is this, you will worship in spirit and in? Okay, right. Truth means what? Somebody tell me. Unhidden. Unhidden. It means, it is, the Greek term is a negation, and it literally means uh, to, to unhide something. Now, watch. And here's why I got. Please pay close attention to me, because I, I, I really do have anxious concerns when I come to these junctures that I, that I convolute the intersection. Paul writes, Paul, who is a Holy Spirit pneumachai, that's the Greek term for it he is a Holy Spirit guy. He writes about the Holy Spirit all the time. And in his testimony, he said, I thank God that the only way that I got to where I was was because I was strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what follows in that language is what the Holy Spirit does. See, The Holy Spirit is the guy who calls forth the unseen potential. We studied that recently in understanding the difference between condemnation versus conviction. By the way, in the next chapter, John chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, John would write, the Holy Spirit's work is to convict you of where your source of worth is, what the next step is, and who has the final word on everything. Now, conviction has to do with a future possibility and potential. Condemnation has to do with my identity being found in the past. That's all I'll say about that. If you want to know the teaching on that, email me, Tom at New Hope Online, and I'll send you the link to the teaching on that most recently. But watch this. Please, we have to get this because it's crucial to understanding how trust works, who gets it, who we give it to. So back to the point. He says, I have been strengthened by the Holy Spirit notice what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and resides with us, in us, and who is the caller forther of the potential within us. Now, how many know when you go to trust somebody, God calls you to be that voice of the Spirit? It calls you to look beyond that transgression and begin to call forth the potential within them. But at what level do we do that? Glad you asked, because this is what caught my attention this week. The Holy Spirit is not just the spirit of paraklesis just calling forth the potential. Notice what John fifteen twenty six says. He said he is not just the spirit of that, but he is the spirit of what? Truth. Please listen to me. The Holy Spirit is at work calling all sorts of forth stuff in you. But the only way you will ever lay hold of the stuff that he calls forth is if you step out from hiding. The same spirit that is the spirit of caller forther is the spirit of unhiddenness. And the only way what he's calling forthing ever gets to the surface, functional surface of your life is for me to step out of hiding. Watch what happened. Paul essentially says there was a day on the road to Damascus when I was encountered by Jesus Christ and the force of the Holy Spirit at work, and suddenly he began to encounter me and summon forth something, a consideration that I had never thought of, but it required me stepping out from where I was hiding in an identity I had already assumed as a zealot, a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a persecutor, one who I had to step out from where I was hiding in that in order to embrace what God had for me what does that mean to us when he says I thank God because there's a lot sewn into that word I've been strengthened I have been watch I have been strengthened uh, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful we got to get this I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, that the only way I got to earn his trust was as the Holy Spirit began to reside in me and gave me the power to hear the potential being called forth and the power to step out from hiding in anything else where I would find my identity. Why is that crucial in the trust process? Because I, as I was talking to someone yesterday on the phone, actually a family member, and she says, but it's our job just to continually call for stuff. I said, not if they keep, I said, it is. She says, and we just got to embrace them. I said, wait, 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 wait. Not if they keep doing stupid stuff again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And again. If they still want to hide in that. Let, let me give you an example. You can go back eight months and look this isn't in my notes. And this will be the one I probably shouldn't have included, but listen anyways. I talked for weeks, maybe even months, about spirit time. Spirit time comes from Genesis 3 eight. Amanda, you don't have that verse. Just listen to me. It's the second time in the Bible where the word for spirit appears. The first time is in Genesis 1-2 when it says the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. The second time it appears is in Genesis 3-8. Listen. And it said they heard the sound of him. Did you know that another translation of the term? They heard the call of him. They heard the call of him in the garden, the noise, the voice of him. I, I don't quit studying this stuff, even though I don't come here every week and talk to you about it. It just doesn't. They heard the sound of him walking in the garden in the cool. Everybody say cool. The word's on the screen now. See that word cool? That's the word ruach. That is the identical word for spirit. You can hear the teaching about why I submitted to two different Hebrew scholars this question. Can this not fairly say? And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at spirit time. Because day... Is the term for hour or time. And when I submitted, everyone I submitted to said, oh my goodness, these are genuine linguists. I'm not one. So if that hypothesis is right, watch this. What happened to separate them from spirit time? It said they were deceived, they were afraid, and they hid. Does it not make sense that as this spirit time God, re- listen, please, reengages us in the new covenant, he said, I'm picking right up where I left off. I am not only the spirit who still calls forth in the cool of the day or at daytime, that calls out and calls you to me. See John fifteen twenty six. 26, par- I am still that spirit that calls out and calls you to me but I am also that same spirit that will only exercise the fullness of what I'm calling you to as you step out of hiding, because I'm not only the spirit of caller forther, I'm the spirit of unhiddenness, and I will only meet you the same way I met them in the garden every day before they hid from me. When you hide, my calling forthing won't do a thing. Is everybody beginning to get this? It's important to our own faith about where we hide from God. Now, How do we handle that? Watch the language that Paul does. There's no hiding here. And it brings us to this first term. Who do we trust? We trust the people that God trusts. Do you know God only begins to entrust us with himself at the point we confess? That's a word homologeo. That means to say the same thing as. You hear about it all the time. Confession is when I accept God's opinion of me above my opinion of me on any matter. And Lord, you need to say that with me. When I accept God's opinion of me above my opinion of me, let's say it again. When I accept God's opinion of me above my opinion of me, guess what? At that moment, I get to step out of hiding. Because I hide when I blame. What did they do from their hiding place? God says, w- What's going on? Uh, it was her okay, let me talk to her. What, what's going on? It was a snake. You see, blaming make, we hide in blaming. Well, I can't live that white, 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 because my parents, you know, they treated me that. Well, I can't be a righteous person. Why? Well, it's just, you know, the place I work, it's just been I, stupid stuff, stupid stuff. Instead of just stepping out and saying, I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord, whose Holy Spirit will always give me the strength, not just to hear the potential he calls out, but to step out from behind. Forgive me for using a wrong word here publicly from all the crap that wants to keep me cut off from God. That's the Holy Spirit. What does that have to do with trust? Watch what it says here. First, he says, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into, the serv- into service. The first principle of that that we look for is thankfulness, and it's listed on your sheet there. And this is an, this is an, an infant nascent step, that if there's somebody that you're wondering about trust, see if they are even thankful for being considered of that. That's a first step. Listen for that language. If you're a person trying to be trusted, irrespective of what you may feel, and I said this to you last week, trust is something I, I, that is the ultimate currency of humanity for me, trust. It is the the one thing that I, I try to live a life to earn. There's never a person I talk to in pastoral counseling uh, or at any time who will share some point of hurt, pain, or brokenness. I told you this last week, and they say, well, you know, Pastor Tom, I I just, let me share this with you. And every time, it's not, it's not a mechanism for me. It is a cultivated reality that I want to say, first of all, and when they say that, I want to, I say back, let me say, first of all, I I don't take lightly the fact that you would trust me with that incredibly vulnerable piece of information you just did. And I want you to know that I will handle it in that same trusted fashion. That won't ever go from my lips to another person. That'll only go from my lips to God. And we'll talk to him about that. The the point is that we live in an entitled culture that thinks we deserve everything and it has just gone crazy how it has reformed human thinking, okay? Enough said. First thing to look for is thankful. If you're one trying to gain trust, be thankful. I, I want to skip ahead to week four so desperately because there is a caveat, but I'm going to wait to week four. You have questions right now, sitting there. You're saying, but, but what about what? Just hang on to week four, okay? We're going to get there, and I can't believe how wonderfully disciplined I am not to chase that rabbit this morning. You can turn to the person right now, if you want, as you see the glory of restraint radiating from me and say, behold, what manner of greatness we are observing. Okay. Okay, Now, second term, second principle, second half of the sentence, it ends in verse 13. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and violent aggressor, we're going to pick up next week at Mercy, confession. Okay. Trustworthy people understand the significance of the violation. They don't try to call it something it's not. They get it. They get it. I can think of relationships that I have that are decades old, dealing with people, and when I say it sincerely, bless their heart. All the potential in the world and the Holy Spirit constantly reminds them of the potential that's in their life. But the spirit of caller-outer they have not met him on the spirit of unhiddenness. They haven't met him on the ground of truth. For many of them, the pain and the coming to terms with it is so deep. Listen, I'm going I'm to blend some scripture here. They still listen to the hiss of the serpent and hide behind a fear of just stepping out and saying, I was a persecutor. I was a violent aggressor. I killed the people that Jesus Christ died for. You you, you hear the depth of that confession. We're just going to have to pause here this morning. I do have a closing question for prayer. Next week, we're going to grab the next two, which happen to be mercy and whatever follows that. I think grace. And we're going to look at how that works. We're going to sort of continue to build this this little construct. But you can sort of push your notes and stuff aside and just look at me right now. Because I want to ask this question. I want to ask it of you in the room. Who here this morning would say that, you know, Pastor Tom, I, I hear the Holy Spirit calling things out of me. I see things in me that I keep hearing. As a matter of fact, as we come in here to worship in the spirit and in truth, almost every week there's this sense of sort of calling me to the next thing. But for whatever reason, I'm struggling with stepping out of hiding and meeting that same spirit of calling. Can I, can I just tell you another thing that, listen, I'll do this quickly, especially those of you who teach. Listen closely. John 15:26 it uses the identical Greek word for the Holy Spirit is the advocate. Um, okay, now let me borrow both of you. Can, can you come here real quick? We've got to do this fast because I need to say amen. And these weeks, there's a lot going on here. And, and just a little over an hour and a half from now, people will be returning for rehearsal. Can you stand on that side of me and you stand right there, okay? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says we have an advocate, Paraclesis, with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father. Uh, matter of fact, here, we'll get, give him a visual. Go stand on the stage so you're like up above me because we think he's somewhere up above in heaven, even though I think that's a wrong notion. We'll get it anyways. Okay, there he is. He's up there. That's Jesus Christ, and he's with the Father. Okay, he says you have an advocate with the Father. And here's the thought that hit me late last night that just blew me away. Wait, wait, wait. If he's the caller out, what is he calling out of God? I mean, God doesn't have issues, Right. That's not the that's not the dynamic of it. But let me get to the other half. Then on earth with us is the Holy Spirit. So you get to be something good today instead of a reprobate that when I <laughs> use you. Okay. We have the Holy Spirit who is the caller out. We already know because we studied it what he does. He is calling out of me the potential that God's placed in. Where do we get that from? Well, it comes, It only happened after the cross. And he ascended. And now we have, when John 15 uses the language, he says, another one like me. What does he mean? You see, Jesus in heaven at the right hand of the Father is the caller-outer. And I wish I had another throne or something back there. Where he serves as the caller-outer calling forth the best of God to be placed in me. But that's not the end of the journey. He's already paid the price to have the right to do that so we could have the best in us. But he stands in absolute, of course I love studying the Trinity, partnership and synchrony with the agent of advocacy here. He's our caller outer there. The Holy Spirit is our caller outer here. And, the, and the Jesus who is there saying, I'm calling forth the best of the Father to put in you where you are right now. I paid for that on the cross. That was yours. It's a done deal. I'm calling it forth. It's there. But it's not yours until you allow him to call it forth to the surface of your life. We have the price of the cross paid and the caller out are calling forth the best of the Father to be placed in me. And He is calling forth the best of the Father to be out of me into the surface of my life. Oh my, that just gets me this morning and I don't even know why. Bow your heads right now. Don't stand up. Just bow your heads. I'm going to ask one simple question. Some of us are going to raise our hands and we're going to put them back down. We're going to continue our study on trust. But here this morning, I want to ask this question. How many here have heard the caller outer? And you're saying, I come in here every week. I hear it. But I know there's some issues that I've just got to step out from hiding. I hide in insecurity. I hide in fear. I hide here. I want you just, you don't have to do it. You just lift your hand right now. Just lift your hand. Oh, there's a lot of us here. There are a lot of us here. Father, I pray for each person right now. Father, I pray for each person right now that they have a sense of what I'm talking about. That Jesus, you are at the right hand of the Father, calling forth the best and depositing it in my life. And Holy Spirit, you are here around us and in us, calling forth what he's called forth and put in us. You're calling it out of us and to the surface. That which is within us by reason of the cross. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. May they step up. May they step out in fearlessness because it's spirit time. I love you, and I praise you, and I bless the name of the Lord, our God in the land of the living. I ask it in Jesus' name. So be it. So be it. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.